This week, we're talking about new rules in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the perfect optimised party size, and how to link and run simultaneous modules. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to another episode of We Speak Common, brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon UK, where you can get 10% off any purchase using the code We Speak Common on checkout, and that's for your whole purchase, not just one set of dice as well. How generous! Uh, we'll tell you more about them halfway through the episode. Right now, though, I want to talk to you, Joe. How you doing? I am doing very well, Benjamin. Very well indeed. Um, you good? You happy? Yeah. I am, mate. I am. I'm not too bad. Um, you know, I've I've decided for some reason as of uh, yesterday to make it my mission to ensure that all our players become DMs in the near future. Yeah, so, I, I did see that. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, and uh, I just feel like there was untapped potential within the group, Ben. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we just got we got to eke it out of them. We know they can do it. You know, so. Uh, you know that should be fun. Um, I've, I've guilt tripped many of them. So how is no. it? How is it working out for you though? Because I I feel like there's at least two of them that just aren't gonna take the bait. That, well, okay. Phoebe's given me some resistance, but I know it's it's poultry at best, and she's on board. <laughs> so okay. that one's not a problem. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I know I know Erton will do it. I know I can get Erton to do it. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Wesley's going to be the stickler. See, now, uh, I think Wesley you're going to have an easier time with because he, he's told me that he is ready to run a full campaign. He just... I know they, I know they all are, Ben. That's the thing. <laughs> I know they all are, but they just have not pulled the trigger on said, you know, campaign yet. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But... um. Yeah, so I had that going on. That was fun. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, been about it, really. Yeah, nice uh, nice chilled existence you got going on over there. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of perpetually tired these days. But <laughs> other than that, things are fine. How are you? Well, I did the mammoth task. It wasn't a mammoth task. I just hate moving. I have moved house. Um, and I have, I'm sat right now in what I like to call my dungeon. No, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to call it that. Uh, I've got a little loft room here that wasn't being used. So I've set it up. I've got furniture, nice armchair, my computer's in here. I've got my microphone arm, like I'm, I'm nice and cozy and I can hide away in my little den. Um, so I'm, I'm happy and I'm, you know, in a house with Phoebe again, which is, it's always it's always good. Don't want to be soppy. Um, so yeah, I'm um, I'm okay. I mean, that took a took like three days. I thought it was going to take like one one or two days. I don't have that much stuff, but uh, so that took up most of the week. Apart from that, I've been doing little bits and jobs here and there, and that's about it, really. Ah, you should have let me know, Ben. I could have helped you move. I mean, you could have, but it would have been awkward with with the old COVID rules. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've. I mean, are you following those religiously? <laughs> is that what you're doing? I don't. I don't think I like where this is going. Um, I don't think I have. I mean, I've been trying, but like, 
It's difficult. Stand there in the shop, Ben. People might as well jump in my basket. You know what I mean? They're standing so close. Mm. This like, is this is the problem. There are people out there who who just don't. They don't care. And then I try my best to like stick to to the rules, but then the rules are so confusing because they change every other week. Um, so like something that we were meant to do two weeks ago, we aren't meant to do now, but we're kind of meant to do next week. It's just like, it's a mess. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying not to die, Joe. That's kind of the aim. Well, I mean, that's a, a um, an admiral goal there. I mm-hmm. like that. I uh, like that a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, Ben. Have we got anything of worth to talk about? Well, we haven't played in like two weeks, have we? Yeah, it's not been good, has it? No, uh... life's been getting in the way. But we have got a session on Sunday, uh, which will be good fun, and then which will be set mostly in Skullport, I believe, unless you guys just say, no, I want to leave, which is a fine reaction to Skullport, to be fair. And then um, next weekend is Halloween, and we've got our one-shot, so that'll be good fun. Mm-hmm. We might be yeah. as cheeky to try and do the one-shot and the Dragon High session. I don't know. I haven't broached the subject with anybody yet. Mm, I guess it depends. I I suspect that one shot will take a long time. Yeah, well, the one shot would be the Saturday, and then if we played Dragon Heist, it would be Sunday. But it's just is whoever, if anyone like me, like you know, I don't have much of a life at the moment, but other people do, so it's hard to gauge whether that's something other people other than me would want to do. Mm. I had that classic thing happen where, um, obviously, because I'm in the midst of of planning my next session, and we're obviously trying to get that scheduled and stuff. Mm. And uh, I just had randomly out of the blue, one of my players just sent me a wealth of information, Ben, Ooh. and and backstory and stuff. So uh, I had to digest all that. Uh, it was actually really, really good mm. uh, and really well thought out. That always um, helps. And so there's some exciting stuff in store now, I think. But it's always nice when the players just uh, just drop some you know, some knowledge on your right there mm. about their characters and hopes and dreams and aspirations and whatnot. And it was so beautifully laid out on the, like, it was so, it's strange. I just appreciate this. It was very well formatted <laughs> and I just enjoyed it. It had little pictures as well. Yeah. Uh, we, it had lots of nice subheadings. It was, it was color coded. Oh. I was like, oh, this is just a, this is a dream to read. Amazing. Is, you know what I mean? That, so, that is, uh, that's, I mean, uh, did you, did you appraise the player? Did you say well done? I did. I did. I was like, this is excellent work. Good. Fantastic. So uh, that was a real treat. I'm looking forward to those uh, elements coming into play, mm. which they should do pretty soon, I I, I would think. Um, yeah. So it's been, that was fun. I had to be sure. what I like to call a Joe moment last night where I'd finally got in bed, laid down, ready to go to sleep and suddenly... A, uh, a lightning bolt of inspiration hit my brain and I had to write it down. So I wrote down word for word what I thought was a fantastic sort of DM opening scene for a uh, campaign idea that I've got. And I read it this morning. <laughs> and like the, the bare bones are there, but it needs work. No, I, I, I love that. I love that when that sort of um, thing happens. I mean, that happens to me literally all the time when it comes to uh, just random ideas and things. Often when I'm in the shower or when I'm about to go to bed, I, I th- for some reason, I think about D&D a lot when I'm just standing in the shower. Yeah, me too. And and then I'm like, damn, I need to 
because I'm not done showering. So I need to like remember this and remember to write it down after I get out of the shower. That's a challenge. If I, I've tried like when I'm about to go to sleep, I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll I'll note that down in the morning. Never the idea is gone forever at that point. Mm. So never risk it. You got to get up. You got to write a little note. You got to dry that soap off your hands. And then I'll just wake up in the morning and go over to my uh, computer and it's like laid across my keyboard just so I don't miss it. Yeah. And it'll be some scrilled note of some, you know, strange thing that I've got to now decipher what I actually even meant to say uh, <laughs> the first time around. My... I'm looking, I think I might have one of these oh. notes here oh. that I've... Um... Go on then. Treat us um... with your with your nighttime brain because this is my favourite thing. Okay, well, this one wasn't about my campaign, but it was about when um, you know, you know, when we talked about, I talked about the like Xanatha sort of inner sanctum room on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, I quite enjoyed that. Well, I was laying in bed when I thought about that. I was like, oh, I must mention that on the podcast. So I just wrote down Xanatha podcast room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I managed to figure out what that means. So like, like the Xanathas in there with his headphones on and a microphone recording a podcast about being a crime lord. That's amazing. That's the image I get from that. Okay, I've got another one. This will hopefully mean very little to you, and it means very little to me until I figured it out. Right, okay. Uh, Bjorn, gate, temple, could kill you, serenity, go to. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, that... Luckily, I did manage to fit. That one took me a while. I was like, Joe, what did you mean when you wrote that down? <laughs> God damn it, past Joe. What does this this code mean? <laughs> I know, but I just want to get back in bed so fast that I just quickly mm. scroll it down. So on my note that I left, I did on uh, on notes on my phone. Uh, it ends with, um, hang on, let me open it. So it's like written out like a full on like two paragraphs of this opening spiel and then it ends with mm. ship crashes somewhere. The players are tasked with investigating it and then they go to space. Boom. <laughs> Boom, <laughs> and boom is in capital letters as well. So I was clearly impressed with myself. What is that? A spelljammer campaign? That is a little spelljammer idea that I've got yeah. going on in my brain. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Oh, I I just the sleep the sleep deprived mind is a treasure. A wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a treasure yeah. to us all. Um, and I would love to hear if anybody else does that and has any sleep notes because they are they are good fun to read out. So um, send those in. Uh, Joe, you paid attention to some D&D news this week that I did not pay attention to, and I'd, well, I'd like to hear it, not straight from the horse's mouth, but secondhand via you. Well, I'm trying to think where I even saw this. I saw a D&D YouTuber talking about it, mm. uh, so I kind of got it secondhand. <clears throat> this is the best way. We... It's the best way to get information, is just like down the line. But I think uh, Jeremy Crawford was on... I don't know, Dragon Talk? D&D Beyond or a Dragon Talk podcast or something like that. Um, and he was chatting about um, the new book, Tashia's, mm-hmm. and how the you can sort of mess around with the races now, make them a bit more malleable. So <clears throat> the official rules, my understanding is, is you'll be able to move any of your uh, stat bumps you get to any different stat. So for instance, if you get a plus two and a plus one to a, to strength and con, you could move those to any other stat, but they would always be a plus two and a plus one, and you can't double stack them right. to get like a plus three, yeah. for instance, right? Uh, so that just means now that any race can be basically stat efficient for any build you want to do, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
But then he said, as like a sidebar to that, like, and he said it's literally is like a sidebar. So I don't know if this will be official in, um, like, for instance, he said that the moving the stats around is eventually legal, even if you don't have your PHP plus one as Tasha's. Mm-hmm. It's just like a universal rule now. Yeah, well, that's uh, fair. That's, that's nice. But, but I don't think the sidebar is going to be that way uh, because the, he said, basically, this is like the lineage system. And he didn't explain exactly how it works. It wasn't going to be like, we all thought it was sort of going to be like a point by system where certain racial abilities cost certain points, you know, and mm. you just have a certain amount and you can pick from any race, essentially, to kind of make your own thing. Uh, but he said it's more going to be like almost like a variant human, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have normal human and you have variant human, which you get the feet instead of the extra stat bumps and stuff. So it's going to be a bit more like that. So I don't know if it'll be more limiting in that you won't necessarily have loads of different options for what you can do in terms of, you know, I couldn't just go and take, uh, I don't know, a Goliath's um, Stone Endurance and stick that on my Githyanki, for instance. Mm. I don't know how malleable it's going to be. Um, or if it's going to be just a couple of set options of things you could you could change or swap out with these sort of variants, if you will. If he said the words sidebar, it makes me feel like like that makes me think it's going to be one of those little side boxes, and it's not going to be a full on rule. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, we'll just have to <clears throat> wait and see, really, with that. I suppose. I, I just found it weird that <clears throat> they hyped it up so much, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be a big deal at all. Yeah, but, I mean, they've done that before with D and D stuff, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they just hyped up the whole thing as like, I know. I mean, obviously, they've been getting a load of flack for, I guess, what you could be perceived as sort of like inherent racism in their books you know from just yeah, historically how there was a lot of D has been back in the 80s or whatever mm. and how it's kind of followed through but uh so i guess this was their like them trying to rectify it and they made a big deal of doing so but it really doesn't seem to have changed much mechanically no and it i seems to be quite a small change actually for, for compared to how much reddit was kicking off about it well that's the thing and i think honestly that's probably for the best i like the idea of the rule system i think it's great that we can now have more flexibility with class building and and what race we play as and things like that but i didn't agree with a lot of the comments online that were people saying like, well, it's going to, it ruins the game and, and uh, goblins are meant to be evil and stuff like that. Like I, I didn't agree with any of that. And I think if, if it's a rule that works the way we think it's going to work, but it's also, you know, not quote unquote game breaking, then that's probably the best middle ground. It's nice that they're including it in adventure league yeah. as well. I really like that. I mean, not that I play it, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, I don't... Obviously, it means nothing to me, to be honest, because uh, we don't really play it, and there's not really facilities to do it around where we live. But if you are doing it, I guess it's nice that it's more of a... Inclusive. A uni- yeah, and a, a universal thing. Like, I know that people don't like... We're kind of kicking off the... Um, just the fact that the terminology, right, of, of race, mm. you know, to differentiate the uh, different quote-unquote racial... Um, beings in the world and uh obviously pathfinder changed that to ancestry yes i guess yeah uh which is a bit different um although the pathfinder one makes a bit more sense to me because you kind of you sort of build your 
ancestry slash race through feats anyway. And so you get ancestral feats throughout the game as you level up. So it's more of a like a malleable thing. And, and it was kind of like what, what I thought the, the Tash's D&D changes were going to be like mm. is a bit more along those lines. But I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the the terminology never really um, bothered me as such, just because I feel like it's what every everyone calls it in different fantasy books and things. Anyway, yeah, I don't know if it is the correct word because I I, I guess like species would make more sense. Yeah, because, because they are literally in... different species. Yeah, it's, yeah, species would fit. Um... I mean, you, I you like... could maybe call like a half elf is like a different race to say like a hel- an elf or a high elf or whatever. Yeah, like, ra- like really, races are more like sub races, and then species is more like the all encompassing. Yeah, I did like word. the word lineage. Um, I think that one because that's kind of got like a high fantasy sort of ring to it as well. Yeah, but I mean, it, all in all, for me and you, I don't think what word is used is is affecting us it's not a big deal for us i could understand why some people it would affect um mm. you know we come from privileged backgrounds as as white males but um who knows i mean it's not like they can take all of the phbs and other books that exist out there away and give you new ones that don't have the word race in them so that's why i always think that it's it's interesting to see how these things develop in the public space because i mean what what are you gonna do? Like my PHB, I bought when Five V first came out. Like you can't change that. That's written there now. Um. Mm. I just think that uh, a lot of times, I, you know, maybe it comes from an, an ignorant perspective, but um, I think yeah, in in pre written campaigns and things like Strad or whatever, mm. if there's some glaring issues in there, which obviously like they have tried to resolve mm. with the sort of Strad remastered rewrite, yeah, the Vistani. Um, that that makes a lot of sense because you're actually playing that. Um, <clears throat> but in the at the end of the day, you, you, your players and you as a DM or vice versa, you're a player, you got a DM. You should all be kind of working together to create a um, a cooperative experience mm. between everyone, right? And presumably, you're all going to be probably good friends if you're playing D and D and D together. That's how it it goes. So. Like I I don't I just don't see these issues coming up very much because you have so much um, agency over the game as the DM and players. You're you're not experiencing someone else's content in a way a lot of the time. Like I say, unless it is a pre-written adventure, you are you're making it up yourself. So you can kind of make it what you want it to be. It's sort of similar to what we spoke about what, a couple of podcasts ago, right? About um, session zeros and things. Like the the power is kind of entirely in your hands. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately, you maybe it might be nice if you have a strong opinion on one way it should go that it that should be the official way, right? And they should make it that way in new books and things. But there are plenty of things about D and D that I just don't like, so I just don't just don't use them. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't affect. Uh, my enjoyment of the game much. Uh, there is, I, I, I do see the argument for having it like raw, like rules is written, if you will. Like it's nice to have have it um, solidified, right? In that way, mm. I get. But I wouldn't let it. You know, I would never let it. You, 
sort of inhibit your enjoyment of the game. No, right? well, I mean, they always say with D and D as well. I mean, you just look at the way they they produce modules. They say, well, look, here's here's what you are meant to do in this adventure, but feel free to change it. And I think um, going back on what you said to begin with, like, yeah, it could very much be coming from ignorant perspectives for us, but I can see why there are issues with some of the things in the books, like the Vistani. There, there are clearly issues there with the way that representation sort of builds off stereotypes of Romany gypsies and things. So I can understand why that is an issue. But other things that for me feel like they are table based, I just I'm like, well, if I don't like it, I'll change it. Like, you know, it, it's like that whole thing of when people say, why, why do why do orcs have to be strong and stupid? It's like, well, if you don't like that, then it's your table. It's your chance to change that. And like we said a couple of weeks ago, when we we're talking about session zeros, you should be sitting down with your group and working out what the the lines are in the sand that you can and can't cross, and what what things you want to be doing in your games. Like you're not going to sit down and run a sci-fi game for a group of people who want to be playing a high fantasy game. And it's the same for that kind of representational stuff as well. And it's it's kind of just a lessons in lesson in human decency, I think, about being compassionate and cooperative with the people that you're enjoying a hobby with so yeah i I mean i agree with you i don't think any of us should be bound by what are in any of the books it's nice to have them and it's a guideline and if you want to run them as they are then great and if you want to change them well that's what homebrew is for i just sometimes i just think i mean it's hard because generally it's just the vocal minority online that are talking about this stuff right mm. i would say the vast majority of people who play D and whatnot don't really engage with a lot of the online forms and they just you know they just play the game and enjoy it but it just seems to me that sometimes people allow these issues or hang-ups they have with the game or the people who make the game etc to like really inhibit their enjoyment mm. and i just think in a a medium like tabletop rpgs where you have so much agency i don't think you should let anything like that stop you from playing or stop you from enjoying it especially when you have so much control to to change it and if you like if you only ever wanted to refer to races as something else uh, a different word going forward forever you could just say hey to, to the group this is kind of how i want to refer to it we're good for that presumably they're all your friends and they'll say okay yeah sure Mm. Uh, and then it's kind of like a non-issue from that point yeah um and obviously yeah it's nice to have it as written but i just think i i just sometimes i'm just concerned that people are like inhibiting their own fun if you know what i mean yeah which is kind of easy to do when you get wrapped up in stuff uh obviously i've done it as well in in D and D and everything, where things are just not working how I want them, and it kind of happens when you're a DM as well, mm-hmm. and things are just not going how you envisioned them going. You, sometimes you just got to take that step back and and just say, "Well, Get some <laughs> these are the cards I've been dealt. They're they're not terrible cards. They're just not the ones I wanted." So, uh, so yeah, as soon as you get that perspective, then you can start enjoying it again. But. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a, a, a tricky topic. I, f- I find that people don't really like talking about this because they feel that absolutely, you know, they're going to get jumped on or whatever. Mm. Luckily, Ben, we're so insignificant that that's very yeah, unlikely no one, to happen. No one even listens to our ramblings. So even if we've said something wrong and we say right now, well, we're sorry if we've offended you in any way, then we won't get jumped on at all because no one listens to us. Exactly. exactly. Ben. Light at the end of the Amazing. tunnel. Um, speaking of Tasha's, though, uh, I have... I have 
pre-ordered it. Big surprise. Shock. I know, shock horror. When when will I ever learn my ways? Never, Joe. Never. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not at all. I like to measure my D&D collection when I move house. So, like, the first time I moved, I could fit it in one box. This time it took three. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, slowly building that, that empire where my whole personality is just Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but, <laughs> but, I mean, we're pretty much there anyway. He says, recording a podcast about D&D. Um, yep. But it might be an idea, uh, should you be thinking about the future and the coming months in the winter period to pre-order some nice dice for you or a friend. And uh, I have actually, we have really, really nicely actually, and it, it fills my heart with, with love. Had a few messages from people over the last couple of months saying, is there any way that we can support you? Because we really like the show. Um, and I love that. Thank you so much. Um, yes, there is. Buy some dice. Uh, we do get a little bit of a kickback. It's not a lot, but it's a little bit... Um, so if you want to, yeah. you want to show support, use the code we speak common at Dice Dungeon, and uh, you'll get ten percent off. You'll get yourself a nice set of shiny dice, and we'll get a tiny little bit of a of a of a pat on the head, basically. Yeah, yeah. We've had a um an email in Joe. Ooh, and I don't mean one of the spam ones. We've got a lot of those recently. Uh, no, this one is a. I, I enjoy the spam one though. From time to <laughs> I, time, we had a really good one the other day. Um, I can't remember what it was. So I just kind of delete them now. But it was something. It was something so outlandishly ridiculous, and I was like, oh, "God's sake!" Um, but yeah, the, the spam ones do keep my days going. Uh, no, Jordan's been in touch now. Jordan chats to us a few times. He's had a few uh, emails in. He says, "I'm currently working on running a combined adventure." For Lost Minds of Pandelva and Dragon of Icebire Peak, which is the one from the, uh, what's the box set called? The one they recently put out, the expanded box. Set. I can't remember the name of it. You know the one I'm talking about. Um, sure. Do you or, or or do you not? No, oh. no I've not. I've no idea. The one that but came with the side carryalls. Okay, I'll vaguely remember yeah, that. There we yeah. go. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. okay. So this is what happens when you don't buy every D and D project. Or you just don't know what I'm talking about. Oh dear. Come on, yeah. Get on my page. Right. Uh, do you have any advice for combining pre-made adventures, and have you thought of trying it yourself? There are a ton of good ideas, and it seems to be uh, one that people have actually done a lot. But I'm also curious to get your expertise. Again, we're not experts. We're just blokes on the internet. Also, when do you? say the party is too big currently for this one i'm running eight people and honestly it's a lot of fun but it does take a lot of rebuilding for encounters um love the content keep the great work thank you jordan um first really quick easy one party size i mean D is classically for four people we run a party of five people and i wouldn't want to run any higher than that personally i just i like i think five is probably the max four is fine i really enjoy playing in and running for a party of three people because then it's a little bit more challenging and a lot more interesting i find but that's just my feelings Mm. i mean for me i really like uh four people um i think four is like literally perfect for D &D. um it your your turn is never far away when you only have to wait for three other people's turns. Yeah. Obviously, leaving outside the, uh, you know, the DM's minions and things. So, for me, four is perfect. I think that kind of party makeup is very classically built around four people anyway. Just from the fact that you you generally have 
a rogue, a cleric, a fighter, a wizard. Mm-hmm. That's the standard um, party build. And even though that it's not necessary, especially these days in D&D, to have all those sort of uh, typical classes, like the healer, the tank, etc. I think 4 works really well. And I like 4 because... I think you can have four distinctly different characters who all have very deep backstories, and I think you can explore each of those backstories in a reasonable amount of time and have the other players as invested in those backstories as that player. Yeah, it's just enough story to manage, if you will. Yeah, when now, when you can say, come. I was going to say, you could say, like, oh, well, Critical Role has just that, as much engagement and backstory and things like that. But I'm like, yeah, but they consistently play every week yeah, and have, like, exactly. 500 game hours of play. Most people are just not going to get that much play out of a campaign. So I, I like 4 for that reason. 5 works as well. I, I mean, you can run for larger, um, just like Critical Role, you can run for larger groups, 7 or 8, or even more than that. But I find that Unless everyone is quite switched on and knows what they're doing and knows that, okay, my turn is next, so I'm going to plan what I'm going to do now. So as soon as it gets to me, I can just explain what I'm going to do and bosh, we go, we do it. As soon If you get new players or players that are not as confident with the mechanics and uh, they're sort of fumbling around and whatnot, as you do as a new player, that can't really be helped. Mm. It's going to slow the combat right down. And it's also difficult for a DM to manage in terms of action economy yeah uh you cannot i mean it's pretty much impossible to do a one big boss versus the party if there's eight players because they get they're getting so many more actions than that one big boss that it's a nightmare i mean like going back to critical role matt has done it but by chucking in loads of legendary actions and uh Mm -hmm. sort of breaking the action up in that way i don't think you can really do it traditionally so i was gonna say that i think with the point on the story and individual player story, I think we do it well with five in our game, but I think that's because everyone is so invested in that side of the game. Um, definitely doable, but yeah, four is easier. And with the slowing down, like I've been playing in a group of a party of three with a brand new player in it. And even with a party of three, a brand new player slows the game down a lot. And again, can't be helped. They're brand new to the game. But yeah, if you're doing that with a large number of people, you're going to struggle to keep attention and enthusiasm and just to get through a session in the same amount of time. Um, I think the big party groups could be a lot of fun and I'd love to run and play in a game with a lot of people in that's doing some sort of big epic thing. But as a standard, three, four, maximum five people is is where i sit and hey i'd i'd love to know eight other people that want to play D and can do it at the same time every week <laughs> like that's just the dream don't get me wrong yeah i would say if if you're if you're definitely going to do it then tips to uh speed up the game or to make it more fluent it would be to tell the players like hey look and, and matt does a good way of doing this mm-hmm. on critical role i was gonna say uh, this. where he will inform or gently nudge the player who's coming up after the current turn Mm -hmm. that hey it's your turn in a second so they can prepare to to have an idea of what they're going to do so they don't get sort of blindsided oh it's my turn now uh where am i what's going on Mm -hmm. sort of thing Mm -hmm. so ensure your players have good situational awareness of what's going on there's obviously you can help by explaining things clearly but at the end of the day the onus is on them to to pay attention and to really 
have that engagement and investment. So just remind them that, hey, it would really help if you know where you are on the map and what's happening, etc. Uh, and reminding them when their their turn's coming up so they can be prepared and they can whip through it. Obviously, players that have a strong understanding of the game rules and their own characters' abilities and how they can affect the battle would be pretty useful. Mm-hmm. So they can quickly act, but also still be effective. And then from a DM's point of view, yeah, the hardest thing you're going to come up against is that action economy, because no matter how big and bad your creature is, if it only gets to act once and everyone else gets to act eight times, it's like it's going to lose. So you can alleviate that a little bit with legendary actions, and I would probably bump any creature that has, say three legendary actions a turn to or legendary action like points to maybe five or six yeah so they they literally get to do something in between almost every single player's turn i mean the 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 combat with vecna at the end of critical role campaign one is an interesting setup to look at as a dm regardless of if you've watched critical role uh, either this this one or or the first one because there is an article floating around somewhere because i know i've read it before talking about the hit point value and the legendary action value and the legendary resistance values of vecna that matt put in place to put him up against you know a, 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 i mean what level were they at the end of that were they 20 they were all they're all 20 yeah. yeah and they all had an immense amount of overpowered magic items. exactly so it's it's interesting to go and look at the quote-unquote stat block or the statistics behind that fight to kind of get an idea of what it's going to take to put your uh, big bad guy up against a group of eight people because i mean spoiler alert it's a lot Mm, it is it is and it's hard to understand like especially i think D &D characters in general are often kind of glass cannons Mm. even tanky characters end up being that way or at least it feels that way to me a little bit because you look at your your players and you think okay like i look at my players right now they're all between level six and level seven and they all vary between maybe 50 and 70 hp something like that yeah that's about right and i think like well okay i'll bring in a monster and I generally don't like my monsters to be in sort of one-shot range most of the time, right? Mm. So even if one of my players has a really bad round, he may be really low, but he's hopefully not completely out of the fight. So he has an, a a moment to respond or to do something. Mm. Uh, but then I've got to remember that even though those players, that player may be on like 50 HP, they could, could literally dish out maybe 100 HP's worth of damage in a round if they have a really good round. Like, it just seems like characters are built to dish out immense damage you know what i mean yeah uh especially characters like paladins rogues some fighter builds i mean you get a fighter that say say he's got two attacks but he's a a polar master so he gets three attacks and then he action surges so he's got five attacks and maybe a power attacks on a few of those if you hit some of those that's like that's getting up there in the damage ranges (laughs) so I generally always chuck on more HP than the standard um, monster manual entails for my creatures. And that's just for like four players. So if you've got a lot more players, I'd definitely chuck on more HP. You don't want them to do, don't want it to just feel like they're wailing on them for days. Mm. But 
you've got to remember as well that when you look at HP values on stat blocks, they tend to be averages rather than total, uh, you know, top of the level. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I have the same issue where I build out encounters and then, you know, the five of you just skip through it. And it's not like you... I, I tend to find it's less of you skip through it because you... Um, don't lose hp i can i can build encounters where you're fighting creatures and you're getting hit and you're like oh, okay i'm i'm 20 from going down but i find that i don't work out a good way to sap your resources and so like i feel like we've um, I'll, I'll sit at the time like oh that was quite a tough fight well done guys and then then you'll say okay yeah who needs healing and like two people will be like oh i didn't get hit once and i'm like oh that was an easy mm. fight for you then like yeah, and that does happen sometimes. Again, we keep going back to Critical Role because it's like a perfect example of this. Yeah, and just everybody this watches it, don't they? Yeah, and it's this exact scenario. Mm. But uh, in a lot of the boss fights, even when it's quite hairy, uh, a lot of the players won't have been hit. But the the ones that have might be on, on death's door sort of thing. Yeah. So you can make it deadly in that way, again, by chucking on the, the potential damage output. Uh, also debilitating effects are more reasonable when you have lots of players for instance if in my game i stun one of the players that's literally 25 percent of your your offensive capability gone yeah that's a big chunk whereas if you stun a, a player in a group of eight uh, you know the percentage loss is a lot less in that moment and there's also a lot more opportunity to bring that player back up because in my game I stun a player. If another player deals with that stun, that's almost like 50% they've lost for that round, yeah, right? Yeah. Whereas in, again, a, a group of eight, it's a lot less. You have more opportunities to uh, to deal with it. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Uh, I normally wouldn't be throwing out too many hypnotic patterns to my players and things like that. But in a, a game with a lot more, you can you can do that and not worry about you know, dropping into TPK territory, for instance. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's ways around it. I mean, we've talked about all of the different ways a number of times, you know, about editing stat blocks and, and stuff and things. So I think it's just finding, again, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but it's finding the the thing that fits your group and your table because every every party is going to work differently and, and get round encounters in a different way. So we could say, oh yeah, just go and stick some extra HP on. But that might not do it for your your party because they might be really good at keeping all of their resources in or, or you know, mm. it, it just depends on, on, on what, what kind of game you're playing. But Yeah, and you can do the more of the withering approach where okay, maybe the first three encounters of the day are kind of easy, but then after that, spell slots are looking a little bit thin, key points are down, etc., and then things can get a little bit tricky. I found some of the best encounters in Critical Role are the ones where they've had to ride out a dungeon for a session and a half and have not had the opportunity to rest, so then when they get to the boss, they don't have everything. Yeah, It's tricky balance because fights where the players are completely tapped generally give them less options and are thus less fun if it's just okay i can trip i attack yeah Yeah, you don't have those abilities you can use to have a greater effect so 
there's a, I don't there's like a fights where it. they're completely tapped. Yeah, but ha- having a balance where you can actually, and then it rewards players as well. It rewards that wizard that's held onto his seventh level spell slot, even though he really could have done with using it earlier. Mm. He's got it now for when it really counts, and he can drop that force cage yeah. uh, and change the battle, or the the paladin that's been saving his biggest smite for that one big crit on the uh, the boss. I mean, I love it when players like uh, utilize combo so for instance if the diviner's got a 20 in his back pocket mm. and he's been saving it and saving it and saving it and you finally get to the boss and then he gives that crit to the paladin for his massive smite and it just annihilates the boss like even if my boss went down in one turn i wouldn't be upset because i'd be like that was solid teamwork mm. right there yeah. yeah that was that was good work reminds me of that time i put a mummy lord in front of the phoenix sorcerer and he took him down in Seconds, you yeah, know. But... This is why this is why most creatures don't have vulnerability. Yeah. It's kind of a broken mechanic. To be but honest. that moment was so memorable and such a moment that we still talk about it. So in that case, then great. Like if they're going to go down in one hit, let's make it. Let's make it like something that we're all going to talk about for for years to come. Um, the essentials kit is the box set that I spy Pete came from. Oh. And uh, moving on to Jordan's second, or technically his first section of the email, um, combining modules or adventures is absolutely something that people do. I don't do it in the sense that those things are running at the same time. I tend to string them together. So Dragon Heist into Tomb of Annihilation, Dragon Heist into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which mm. I think is a lot easier. And we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to touch into it now. But the thing of putting the dragon of ice by peak in with the lost minds of pendelva is that it's kind of built to be that like essentials kit gives you extra content for that region that that starter set is set in so it kind Mm. of it's easier it's kind of it's meant to be like that you know the blocks are almost already there um my thoughts on it are absolutely 100% if that's what you want to do go for it it can make a really interesting and personalized campaign because that's what you want. You want the D and D experience that your friends are having to be slightly different from the one that they saw online or something. Like there's got to be it's got to be personal, um, which is why our characters bring their own stories and things. Um, with pure modules, I just think you need to be careful. Like I wouldn't want to combine Dragon Heist with Tomb of Annihilation at the same time because I think that those themes don't really mix up now you could absolutely do that if you wanted to you could reskin dragon heist to be set in port naran in Cholt, and then go straight into tomb annihilation from that and that could be a lot of fun i mean thinking about that that's quite a fun little intro and making your characters native to Cholt. there's a lot of work there though so it's like are you biting off more than you can chew or is this something that you really want to spend time putting together making the puzzle pieces that don't really fit fit and then running it yeah, exactly. I think it's less about the uh, geographical issues or yeah. like it doesn't matter that, OK, you want to combine these two sort of adventures and have them running simultaneously, but they, they're opposite ends of the world. It doesn't really matter because it's a fantasy world and you can get around those problems quite easy with sort of narrative solutions, teleporting, etc. It's more about the themes, I think, and do they line up? And sometimes it can be interesting to have a juxtaposition, have two big issues going on at the same time that require different thought processes and are different thematically. But 
it's quite difficult to make that work and oftentimes it can just feel like one is more important than the other and that's kind of what we're going to focus on or one bit gets left to the wayside or it just doesn't feel congruent with each other Mm. Uh, so i think it certainly can work in some respects i would say that and and it can be nice to have a, a breaking pace like for instance uh Dragon Heist is all set in a single city, and it can be nice to just get out of there for a little while, break things up, break up the environments, etc. Which we have done, but you could also do with kind of a subplot from another module if you wanted to. Uh, But I think that generally it's better just to focus on one, um, one thing at a time, or one big thing at a time, because... Otherwise, you can sort of give your players a bit of uh, a bit of analysis paralysis, where they've got <laughs> so many different options and they're trying to figure out what they should do next, and it ends up with them just doing nothing. Yeah, that that can become a, a problem. So you don't want to give them too many directions to go in. Just give them some direction, some choice, but a, a, a sort of a clear through line to the end. And I think it's much better, we've spoken about this before, of linking your adventures more so from one into the next. And you can begin to seed those. We say you should definitely have some overlap, right? Mm-hmm. Where the, the the next adventure begins to start just before the first one ends. And so if it feels like a natural transition. You don't have that awkward, okay, this is the end, and now we're starting something new. It just feels continuous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... I mean that's that's my favorite way of, of doing it. I I just love the the freedom I have to bring in these interesting seeds and things when I'm linking them rather than running them at the same time. Um and it also adds that kind of that sense of like the world's alive and and it's lived in and it's breathing and things are happening without the player's interaction. It gives that kind of immersion sense there. So, I don't know. I mean, go for it. Give it a try, but for me, I I prefer to link and elongate campaigns rather than just pop them together. But it, it certainly can be done. Hmm. Yeah. No. Cool. Well, that was uh, the blink of an eye, and we're at the end of the episode already. <laughs> and by so quickly. Uh, Joe, I'm looking forward to actually playing some D&D with you in a couple of days' time. It will be enjoyable, for sure. It will be very enjoyable. And in the meantime, uh, continue to try and plan your game. <laughs> and hopefully we'll get a day in the diary. I hope so. One of these days. Uh, all right, mate. Speak to you soon. <laughs> Catch you later. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favour. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.